0: Hey there, welcome to this edition of The Shalene Show. I am so pumped that you're listening today. I know you already read the title, and I just want you to know that this is one of the most valuable things that you will ever have. It's one of the most rewarding, exciting, fulfilling emotions that you will ever experience when you can take a relationship to a level of emotional intimacy. Oh, it's unbelievable. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Today, we're addressing a topic that is going to be relevant to you, whether you have a romantic partner or not. Emotional intimacy is something that improves all relationships, but to be fair, to be upfront, not all relationships are going to be emotionally intimate, and we can't expect that from all of our relationships, but our closest friendships, our closest family members, and of course, Our romantic relationships are going to be far more fulfilling if we can deepen our connection. And that's what emotional intimacy is all about. Listen, I know you've been hearing about CBD now for a couple of years. Everybody's talking about CBD. They put CBD in water, CBD in drops. You can buy CBD at the grocery store, at the gas station. But if you're like me, you probably have a healthy dose of skepticism, and so you want a company that's reputable, you want to know what you're getting, you actually want to know that what they say is on the bottle is in it, and for many of you, you want to make sure that you're not getting THC, because a lot of these CBD companies are putting THC in their CBD. And it's having people come up testing positive for THC. Now, listen, I'm not against THC, but I also think that you deserve to know as a consumer if, in fact, the product that you're taking has it or not. And my Soul CBD triple lab checks every single batch just to ensure that their ingredients are free of THC. Not only that, they are 100% organic. I love their line of pet snacks. We've been giving those to Rocco. He's our 15 going on 16 year old chocolate lab and he's actually pretty peppy. And I attribute part of that in part to the relief that he's experienced from taking the My Soul CBD pet treats. I also attribute my increase in sleep to the sleepy gummies that I take that we all take. Everybody in my household takes them before we go to bed. Listen, CBD is amazing because it helps to calibrate your central nervous system. And again, you don't have to worry about getting high. It's completely legal. It's all natural. Unfortunately, they don't currently ship to Canada. And as a listener to the show, you get 15% off automatically. You don't even have to enter a code. When you go to mysoulcbd.com forward slash Shaleen. Now don't worry about it. That link is in our show notes. You can just click on it while you're listening. And if you don't do it now, you know you're going to forget. So just click on that link. It's mysoulcbd.com forward slash Shaleen. That link while you're listening, you can just place your little order. You'll get 15% automatically. And I promise you will not regret it. You're going to love this stuff. They've got oil tinctures, capsules, or if you prefer gummies. Again, it's mysoulcbd.com forward slash Chalene. And because in this episode, we're really talking about improving your relationships, I know that's something that's important to you. And we aren't always the right person. We aren't always equipped, and our friends and family members may not be equipped to handle the things that are putting a wedge between us. As much as you want to be emotionally connected to your partner, to your children, to your parents, sometimes it requires the help of a professional, like a therapist, And therapy can be far more affordable than you realize, specifically when you use a company like Talkspace. So Talkspace therapists give you the support that you need, and they have thousands of licensed therapists trained in 40 different specialties. That's really important. You want to go to someone who specializes in the thing that you're struggling with. Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform. There are thousands of therapists. As I said, they're going to match you with the right one. If it's not the right one, you can pick somebody else, but I'm telling you, they will work around your schedule. It's super convenient. It's super affordable. You can use, do video sessions. You can do text messaging. So if you need a little support to help get you through the end of the year, if you want to start building a better relationship to take care of yourself, Talkspace is there to help. They're going to match you with a licensed therapist, and you get $100 off because you're a listener of The Chalene Show. $100 off your first month. All you do is go to Talkspace.com. You will enter the promo code Chalene. Don't forget that. Enter the promo code Chalene. That's what's going to get you your $100 off your first month. Again, it's at Talkspace.com. Or you can just download their app too, which is pretty simple. But then if you're going to download their app again, don't forget to use that code, Chalene, to get your $100 off. So let's start by defining emotional intimacy. Emotional intimacy isn't physical intimacy, it's different. It is a feeling of trust. It's when we're so deeply connected to somebody that we, we trust them, we feel safe around them, we can be vulnerable around them, we can share and express our feelings without judgment, hopefully. It's somebody who we can share our secrets with. It's a connection that makes us feel very secure, where it's safe to truly be like who we are, to say what we need to say without worrying about risking the relationship itself. It's getting to a place where you know you can experience bumps in the road. You can say things that They're going to give you grace. They're going to understand. They're not going anywhere. They're not going to hold it against you. They're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. They're going to be there for you. When we are emotionally connected to somebody, we don't experience bitterness or resentment. We're not hypersensitive to comments or feelings or behaviors. When we're in a relationship that is emotionally connected, we feel connected. Therefore, you won't feel lonely or isolated. Now I've talked about emotional connectedness many times on the Chalene show, but one thing I have not addressed before is, and something I've just realized recently, is that I don't know if you can have an emotionally connected relationship with someone who is deeply wounded, because someone who is deeply wounded and hasn't worked through their traumas and their pain, who, who truly haven't healed, that person will naturally for reasons to protect themselves, be defensive. They naturally are going to be sensitive because they've been sensitive as a means by which to survive, to cope, to deal, to protect themselves. So it's not uncommon for somebody who's not yet trusting of the world, and for good reason, it is going to be very challenging for that person to let their guard down, to trust To be vulnerable in a way that's necessary in order to create emotional connectedness, emotional intimacy. Now, if that's you, the first thing we have to do is you have to recognize that. You have to understand and just be able to look at yourself and take an inventory. Are you distrustful of people? Do you second guess what people have said? Do you often think about, like, what did they mean by that? And are they trying to hurt me? And do they have an ulterior motive? And how come they didn't do this for me? Or how come they did say this and didn't say this? How come they didn't respond quickly enough? How come I wasn't invited? Like, if all of those things are are pretty regular conversations in your head, now I'm not saying you don't have the ability to have emotional intimacy, but if you're evolved enough to take a personal inventory and to recognize that that is a common way that you think, you just tend to be skeptical of others you tend to feel lonely or isolated. You tend to worry how someone's going to respond. You worry how someone is going to interpret your feelings, your words. If you are very sensitive to the things other people say to you, that's a really good sign that there are some things you haven't yet worked through. I mean, everybody's desire is to be emotionally connected, to feel that emotional intimacy, not just with one other person, but with maybe a lot of other people. But it does require a level of, of security, a level of stability, and healing. Listen, we all have traumas. We all have experiences. We've all been burned. We've all, some of us physically, some of us mentally, emotionally, we've been through some things. And the more unresolved traumas we have, the harder it's going to be for us to have emotional intimacy with our partners or in any relationship. That does not mean it's outside of your reach. It means you've got to do more work so that you can get to a place where you aren't holding other people responsible for your feelings, where there's a level of trust, where there's a level of vulnerability, and where there's a level of peace and comfort, where you're just not worried about judgment, pain, or abandonment. It wasn't until after my husband did quite a lot of therapy could I actually say that we had a an emotional intimacy? We had a physical intimacy. I thought we had an emotional connection, but you know now, the more that I learn about emotional intimacy, the more I realize that's what was missing in our relationship, and it was never going to happen. It was not going to happen. It wasn't that one of us wasn't doing the right thing or we weren't having that we weren't trying or that we didn't want it. We wanted it, but my husband had a lot of things he needed to work through before he would ever get to a place where he could truly let down his guard and trust and be vulnerable and not fear abandonment or fear judgment, et cetera. I say that because I'm gonna share with you some things that are gonna improve the emotional intimacy in your relationships, but keep in mind, it takes two to tangle. You've gotta work on you, your friend or your partner. They have to do their part. And that is why emotional intimacy is so special. I have a small group of very, very close friends. I'm emotionally connected to them, but I would guess there's probably fewer than three that I would say I have an emotional, intimate relationship with them. I can't think of anything that's more rewarding. And I've got friends who are like really good friends who I've been friends with even longer periods of time, but I'm not. I don't have an emotional intimacy with them. And it's not, in my opinion, it's, you know, I don't want to say it's, oh, it's their fault. It's not mine. I don't necessarily feel safe to go there with them because I can sense that they don't necessarily feel like they can be vulnerable with me, you know? And it does require that both parties have worked through their stuff and can trust. I mean, it's not uncommon for us to have family members even that we're not emotionally intimate with. We can be emotionally connected to them, but to have emotional intimacy is, is very different and incredibly rewarding. I can't think of anything that feels better than to have that. Emotional intimacy is knowing, not guessing. It's like knowing what your partner feels without assuming that they like what they're doing or assuming that they don't want to do something or assuming or guessing what it is they do or don't want. And it's also a comfort in knowing that you can ask, that you can probe, that you can question. It's taking an authentic, like real, sincere interest in your partner. It's not saying, oh gosh, I should probably ask them how their day was, or I should ask them about what an experience was like. It's a sincere interest. It's wanting to know. It's so authentic and it's so genuine. It's something you literally, you can't fake it. Emotional intimacy is having a deep understanding, not just an understanding, but a desire to understand somebody's past, to understand what things have happened to them so that you know and can understand the lens that they're looking through. It's having a deep, deep, sincere level of empathy for them empathy that's far deeper than compassion and i think it goes without saying that in order to feel deeply empathetic not just compassionate but deeply empathetic like to feel what somebody else feels that's really hard for someone to do who's caught up in their own pain and trauma it's really hard to see something from someone else's perspective when we are so clouded by our own experience That's why, unfortunately, the people who often hurt others are hurt people. I'm sure you've heard that phrase before. They don't even realize that they're hurting people because they're blinded by their own pain. They're just trying to survive. Now, this doesn't mean that we can't have relationships with somebody who isn't capable at the moment of emotional intimacy. It's just important to recognize that not everybody has the ability in this moment Maybe they'll never have the ability. So let's talk about some of the signs that you are emotionally disconnected. So let's talk about some signs that your emotional intimacy is currently low. First, you feel guarded or reluctant to share your true feelings or your needs. You are lacking in emotional intimacy if in your relationship you tend to hide your emotions or hide your feelings if you feel responsible for another person's happiness or mood, like the way that you show up, you can't be authentic in that because you fear how they will respond or how it will have an impact on them. If you're doing things out of guilt because it feels like a responsibility, like something you have to do, we've been friends for five years, so I, I have to buy them a birthday gift or we've been dating for four years, so we have to get engaged. We're married, therefore I have to give him a hug and a kiss, or I have to have sex. You know, it's that husband who brings home flowers because it's your anniversary, but what they've written in the card really doesn't mean much, and they're not excited about it being your anniversary. Like, there's just almost a um, obligatory response to things. Your relationship Is lacking emotional intimacy if you're keeping score, if you know who did fill in the blank last, if you're keeping secrets, if you can't tell your partner how you truly feel or what you've experienced or what you're going through, if you can't tell your friend what you really think and feel for fear that the friendship will end. If you're looking for the wrongdoings of others, and this is a big one, especially for hurt people, they are often looking at others through the lens of bias. They're seeing what they do and looking for all the things the other person isn't doing. Emotional intimacy is missing if you're withholding things from your partner that you know that they would want. For example, you're not saying, I love you first. You're waiting for them to do it. You're not going that extra mile and or like filling up her tank with gas or giving him a back rub, even though you know that's something that he wants because you're waiting for him or her to do whatever it is you're expecting. Like it's this tit for tat or the withholding of things. A relationship that had emotional intimacy and is losing it or is in jeopardy, you can tell because physical connection, physical touch becomes less and less important. Now, this is not not always the case, but sometimes, especially for women, we tend to think, well, if I touch him, if I brush too closely to him, then I will be obligated to take it to the next step, if you know what I mean. But you know that you are emotionally disconnected if you're thinking more about how often things go wrong than you are thinking about how often things go right. And a really big sign that your relationship has slipped into a emotionally disconnected state is when suddenly the relationship takes on this odd power dynamic. And this can happen in friendships too, where one friend is seen to be like the authority or like... The know-it-all or the parent and the other friend or romantic partner becomes almost childlike, where it's like, I I will tell you what to do, then I'm going to correct you when you've done it, and then when you fix what you've done, I'm going to give you more feedback, and the relationship takes on this strange dynamic where one person is always right, it's one person's opinion, it's one person's way. And they don't even realize that this is happening because the other person has become incredibly submissive in order to maintain the peace, in order not to disrupt or upset that friend or romantic partner. And you probably can think of couples right now where you've been around them and you're like, whoa, he calls all the shots. She doesn't even have a say in this or, or she is running the show and he is just doing whatever she wants because he wants to keep her happy. Now, that might look like a, an ideal relationship, but I can tell you what's missing is emotional intimacy because when partners are emotionally intimate, they don't say yes just to make the other person happy. They might agree to doing something that they don't really want to do, but their partner will know and they'll respect that. And there's an understanding and there's a give and take and there's a, a deep Love, appreciation, and respect because we understand where the other person's coming from. Emotional intimacy really requires vulnerability. You have to go there so that you understand when your partner or friend does certain things, where it's coming from and that it's not personal, that it's not directed at you. And that is step one in creating a relationship with more emotional intimacy. If the potential is there, it means you stepping out on a limb and truly being curious to deeply understand where this person comes from. And by that, I mean what things trigger them, what things happened to them as a child, what was their interpretation of their parents' relationship, of their relationship with their siblings, what things happened to them. What type of attachment did they have to their mother, to their father? What was school like for them? What experiences or past challenges shaped who they are? Now, these are things that are like really, really personal. So you can't have emotional intimacy. I mean, it's pretty rare to have emotional intimacy with someone that you've just met. And frankly, it's, it's almost impossible to have emotional intimacy with someone who's not interested in that way about you, if they're not asking you those kinds of questions, if it's all about their past and their own experiences, well, then you're going to have a deep emotional understanding of, of who they are, but they won't have one of you. And therefore, when you do things that don't jive with them, that could hurt them unintentionally or rub them the wrong way, what have you, the way that they respond will not be to take into consideration the lens by which you're living your life through. It'll only be to view what you've done through their own lens, the lens of trauma, the lens of hurt, the lens of that person who wants to protect themselves. And that's very much shaped by their own beliefs. Let me give you two examples. So when Brett and I, before we were really emotionally intimate with each other, I would ask him, hey, what do you think about me speaking at this particular event or taking on this new business opportunity, whatever it was? And he would always say, yeah, that's fine. It's fine. No, that's fine. Despite how many times I would follow it up with like, are you sure? Are you sure? He just always seemed very agreeable. I later learned that he said yes to a lot of things he did not want to do and didn't want us to do. Yet he didn't have a level of trust with me to tell me those things and i had to have a deeper understanding of what his childhood was really like and the role that he played with specifically his dad you know so bob was very much an authoritarian he was intimidating and very powerful and strong and confident and a leader and you know the head football coach and everybody feared him they feared him not because he was like physically abusive but he was an intimidating figure and from the time he was a very young age Brett learned that it was Bob's way or the highway. No one else had an opinion. No one else had a say. You were probably going to do it wrong. He was probably going to tell you how to fix it. And you just had to keep your nose clean. You didn't voice your opinion. And if you did, there was hell to pay. Okay, so now think about it. Yours truly, I am a confident person. I'm determined. I like things to be done my way. So it's no surprise that, you know, he was attracted to me because we're often attracted to the person who has qualities very similar to the parent who we have some unresolved issues with. And we're really getting to the Freud stuff now. By the way, you know, I'm not a therapist. I'm just sharing with you my own personal experiences. So I didn't realize that no matter how nice I could be about him saying he didn't want to do something, he he was never going to tell me he didn't want to do something because, because of his past. Because until he worked through those things and realized, gosh, now I'm an adult, and my dad doesn't care if I have an opinion that's different than his, and my wife doesn't care if I have an opinion, she's not going to go anywhere. I'm not going to be in trouble. I'm not going to be sent to my room. My wife isn't going to be upset with me. Other adults aren't going to be upset with me. I can voice my opinion in a way that's kind and respectful, and I can share it, and I'm not going to be in trouble. And because he worked through that, we can now have real, honest, vulnerable conversations where he can tell me what he does and doesn't like, and I can tell him what I do and don't like. And we know neither of us are going to be in trouble. We're going to reach an agreement that feels right for each other because we respect each other, we love each other, and we want to hear each other. Let me share with you a friend example. So I have a girlfriend who Today, I can't even tell you the exact particulars, but I just remember that I was in a super busy, crazy time with my family. There's something going on. I don't remember specifically. And this friend and I, we talked almost every day, or at least every other day, texted anyways. And then for a matter of like probably a week or so, I didn't notice it, but she noticed and took offense to the fact that I hadn't responded to a couple of her messages. She had been reaching out to me, kind of initiating the conversation more so than normal. Like usually it was like a back and forth, back and forth. In this particular week, there was a lot going on emotionally, stuff with my family, and I just wasn't in contact with most of my friends. And that included her. And she sent me a, you know, kind of a confrontational text, almost saying like, okay, I'm done with you. And I was like, what in the world? So then we got on the phone and I explained to her what was going on in my family and why this was a really difficult time emotionally, why I was also crazy busy with work and why I had to kind of pull back from all of my friends for a couple of weeks because I was trying to get some things in order in my own home. Much to my surprise, that didn't go well. She was really upset and was not accepting what I was going through. She was herself going through something that week, and she was just very, very angry and hurt by the fact that I wasn't there for her and the way that she wanted me to be there for her, but I was also trying to deal with my own stuff. And I remember thinking, like, this person is a pain in the butt. Like, how self-centered can you be that you can't cut me some slack when I've just told you what I've gone through? But then I, I took a deep breath, and I took some time, to really think about what it was I already knew about her. To understand that that emotional intimacy, we were already building it. So I already knew where this was coming from. And I knew that it wasn't about what I hadn't done. It was about what her own family wasn't able to do for her when she was a young child. I knew that the abandonment and the anger that she was directing at me wasn't about me. And I knew that everyone in her past had abandoned her and that I wasn't going anywhere. So I took some time to be – I'm not going to like tell you I was like Mother Teresa and I was like the bigger person immediately. I wasn't. I was really annoyed by that. I remember thinking for a couple of days, I don't know, maybe even like a week, like, what do I care? I'm, I'm done with this person. I don't need friends who are this much work, who are all take and no give. I mean, the first thing that I did was went like through this inventory list of everything I've ever done for her, right? And, and that's what we do. We definitely have a bias when it comes to what we've done and what the other person has hasn't done. We rarely give other people the credit that they deserve. And one of the easiest ways to fix that is by putting yourself in that person's shoes and imagining what list would they come up with about what they've done, their contributions, if you will. like, And eventually, I came to my senses and realized, no, this person actually does a lot in my life, does a lot for me. I learned from them. They've helped me to grow. We've grown together. And I know this is just a bump in the road. And I just need this person to know I'm not going anywhere. And we can work through this. And we did. And today, this is one of my very dearest, closest friends – But if we hadn't already kind of established some emotional intimacy as a foundation, that friendship would have been over because I would have been like, what a selfish person. But instead, I knew it wasn't about being selfish. It was about the fact that she was wounded. What I was experiencing was her cognitive dissonance, meaning she had this belief, this belief that people won't show up for her, that they will abandon her and they will leave her to fend for herself. And so the way that she was responding to me was to say like, yeah, I know this is coming. I know you're going to do the same thing everybody else has done. And it's so funny because many years later, she's told me like it took some time for it to really sink in the words that I said to her, which were, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. But if I'm being completely honest, the only reason why I was willing to work through that like really uncomfortable patch is because she had already been caring and interested in my past and caring about my vulnerability and open and loving and and curious and forthcoming with her own stuff. And so it was very much a give and take, you know, because being vulnerable, if it's just one way, that's not really emotional intimacy either. You know, if you have a friend who tells you all about their past and all of their past traumas, et cetera or a partner for that matter, but they're not interested in hearing your own. And I'm not saying everyone's great about asking questions, right? Let, let's just face it. Some people were raised in such a way that they felt like it was being nosy to ask those kind of very personal, probing questions. And then there's people like me who are like, I'm gonna do it, it's gonna be very inappropriate. And sometimes it's just like, wow, I just really need to stop asking so many questions. So my point is this. It's not about someone who's asking all the questions, but it is somebody who creates an environment where it's safe for you to talk about those things, and they show genuine interest. When you do share things about your past, it's not a comparison of whose traumas are worse or whose life was one way versus another, but there's a genuine, sincere trust, comfort, and security that you feel when you do open up about those things. Although it is not a requirement, it certainly helps to have close proximity to improve emotional intimacy, right? Like you can have an emotionally intimate relationship with someone who you're only talking to on the phone or having a Zoom conversation with, and they can be 3,000 miles apart away from you. But without a doubt, it becomes far easier when you are close in proximity. I mean, It is the reason why you see so many couples who are – have a long-distance relationship, why they will struggle, including, you know, celebrities. Like celebrities where one is working on a movie set for six months out of the year and no one should be surprised when, you know, the emotional intimacy is going to be much more difficult when the physical connectedness isn't there. You've got to understand that physical touch often is – a gateway to a level of emotional intimacy. Think about what it feels like when someone just gently places their hand on your shoulder. Even if it's someone who you who don't know that well, you can't deny that you feel something. Sometimes it's, it's almost electric. You know, when your significant other grabs your hand and holds your hand, or the way someone who truly loves you and you know it, the way you feel when they wrap you up In a deep hug, not an obligatory, oh, it's nice to see you again kind of hug, but that hug that you feel from someone who cares deeply about you and they haven't seen you in a long time, or that first hug after you've revealed that you've gone through something really difficult. Physical touch is a big deal a hug, a kiss, a flirtatious touch, and there's gonna be a lot more of that when you're spending more time together. You're gonna have. A deeper level of emotional intimacy, whether it's a friend or a romantic partner, if you're spending more time with them. Time doesn't guarantee intimacy, but it makes it possible. That's why I always say to couples who are are married or living together, it's so important that you try to get on the same schedule. Obviously, you might not be able to go to work together. You've got to do your own things. But there are so many opportunities where you can be in close proximity and be on the same wavelength, to have the same circadian rhythm, to wake up together, to eat breakfast together, to go through your morning routine together, to exercise together if you can. And most importantly, to go to sleep together. I'm a big fan of Bulletproof Radio. I think it's now under a new name, Dave Asprey. But I saw one of Dave Asprey's posts recently where he said he recommends that partners sleep in separate beds cuz it'll improve your marriage. I'm like, I'd love to see the data behind that cuz I I think I'm going to have to disagree with Dave on that one. I think it's really important that we get on the same circadian rhythm as our partner if at all possible. I think it's important if or I should say especially if you don't have the opportunity otherwise to spend much time in close proximity with each other. I also think it's it is important. And now that Many of the COVID restrictions have been lifted, not all, obviously, but with people being vaccinated and people being able to travel again, it is really important if you feel disconnected or feel a disconnect happening with your friendships, make an effort to get together. I mean, I did that while I was in New York, and I have to say it was, it was amazing to spend time with Many of my girlfriends, Mindy, came to visit me, and Michaela. I got to spend time with my friend Barb and my friend Jen. You know, and I offered or invited several of my friends to come and visit. And, you know, they've got things that are going on. It's hard. It's hard to get together with adult friends, especially when we live in other states and other cities. But if it's important, and you have already established an emotional intimacy. Maintaining it is not as difficult as you would think. It doesn't take much to get right back to where you started, like to pick up right where you left off. My next tip for you is to remember to give grace. It means to be kind. It means that in order to have a truly emotionally intimate relationship, you cannot jump to conclusions and assume the worst of someone else. It means seeing all of their best qualities and celebrating who they are and what they do and how they show up in the world. And and I'm not saying overlooking their shortcomings or the things that, you know, may rub you the wrong way, but it's also giving them the benefit of the doubt and understanding where it comes from and knowing that you can probably talk to them about it in a way that's much nicer and much kinder. Kindness is a cornerstone of emotional intimacy. And I don't mean kindness that looks like you being a doormat or you rolling over or you never speaking your mind. I mean, thinking about how you're going to say something and remember this, always looking at the intent. What is this person's intent? Did they intend to protect themselves? Were they intending to hurt you? Or do they intend to be a kind person who maybe has different life experiences than your own? The next tip I have for you for improving your emotional intimacy is is to really think about what would make this person happy. What do they need? And the only way you would know that is by knowing them, asking, understanding. What would make them happy? What would they need? How could you compromise? How can you strike a compromise? How can you meet in the middle? Better than that, how can you cross that center line and try to do more for them? Because when you have emotional intimacy you'll feel that reciprocated and maybe not immediately because in no relationship are both partners equally healthy, grounded, and secure. When you put two people in a room, one person is going to be more secure, more confident, more evolved than the other person. That's how life works. Unless it's an, no, not even if it's an identical twin. I mean, there's always going to be one person who may have to do a little more a little bit more, may have to compromise a little more often, may have to be a little bit more careful. And for that reason, if emotional intimacy with your partner or with a particular friend is your goal, is your objective, then you have to be willing to initiate. You have to be willing to be the one to go there, to make the first bid, to plan the date night to change your habits and your hobbies, to change the dynamic, which maybe hasn't been as intimately connected as you'd like, to take a risk, to be willing to be vulnerable, to go there, to take a chance, and to talk about your feelings and to share your expectations and and to Tell this person how much you love them and how much you care about them and what it is you'd like to experience and how much deeper you'd like to take the relationship. And you have to be willing to do that. And they might not be able to reciprocate. They might not understand. They might not feel the same way. But the risk is worth it because nothing feels better. Nothing feels (sighs) quite the way emotional intimacy feels. It just feels like you are wrapped up in this warm, safe, soft hug that makes you feel secure, protected, happy, and at peace. That's a lot. Doesn't that sound amazing? It's special. It's also pretty rare. Emotional intimacy is not something you're going to experience with all your friends or every romantic relationship you're in. It's very special. It doesn't happen automatically. It takes work. I mean, you've made it to the 40-minute mark of this podcast. It takes effort. It takes work. And it's going to take more personal work for the person who's experienced a lot of traumas and who still has some healing to do. And it's worth it. And the quickest way possible to do that is to just bite the bullet and find a great Therapist. I talked about TalkSpace, which is a super affordable alternative for therapy. And there are many other online therapy opportunities or options for you. Obviously, Dr. Michaela is a great friend of the show. You could reach out to her. She's drmichaela.com. And you can search for therapists in your area. I've done a couple of episodes in the past on how to find the right therapist. But just to give you a quick summary, because I think this is so important, if emotional intimacy is something that you crave, you might also want to consider doing couples therapy. I, I know friends, I know coworkers who've gone together, like business partners who have gone together for therapy and have. Experience like a a much deeper understanding of each other and an emotional connectedness, and in some cases, an emotional intimacy. You, I mean, you can have an emotional intimacy with a business partner, you can have emotional intimacy with, with just about anybody. The potential is there. I'm just saying it's not something you should expect with all people because most people aren't willing to do the work on themselves to let their guard down enough to let somebody in on an emotionally intimate level but wow, the rewards are tenfold. So consider getting a great therapist if you've been struggling with this or if there's somebody in your life who you would like to encourage to go to therapy. I think some of the best ways to do that is by asking friends. Certainly you can go to Yelp, but as we know, Yelp isn't always the best recommendation. I think the, the best way Because people now talk very openly about therapy. Ask your circle of friends. Ask people locally. But don't forget that some great therapists are available to you across the country. I mean, therapists can do Zoom sessions. You don't have to necessarily treat in person. So there's lots of options. Start by doing a Google search. You know, it doesn't hurt. Read some reviews. Ask your friends. Recommendations are the best. And lastly, don't forget this. Finding a great therapist is just like anything else. Finding a great dentist or a great stylist. You might have to go to a couple. I would say interview them. Go on your first session or do a Zoom consultation. Figure out if this is the right match. And I think this is the kind of topic I should probably go into greater detail. I'm going to do a whole episode. We need an update on that, on how to find a great therapist. Because I I think, I can't think of anything that would be more helpful. There's so many people in my life right now who I'm like, I wish they would just find a better therapist, or I wish they would find a therapist at all. Anyways, I love you. I mean it. I really do. That Patreon is coming for those of you who want the deep, 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 emotionally intimate content. (laughs) I'll keep you posted on that. In the meantime, I'll talk to you on Friday. Be here. All right. Until then, be well. I love you.
1: If you enjoyed this show, please don't forget to make sure you are subscribed and following along. The Shaleen Show is available on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and most every podcast app. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave a five-star review and tell us specifically what you enjoyed. We'd love to know. The Shaleen Show is released every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. For Tuesdays and Thursdays, be sure to follow and subscribe to Shaleen's other podcast, Build Your Tribe, which she co-hosts with her son, Brock Johnson. It's all about business, social media, and marketing, and devoted to helping you make more money and live more life. Links to anything referenced in today's episode, as well as show sponsors and other podcasts, can be found below in our show notes.